Today, though, we're going to be talking about the angels. And if you're worshiping with us online, I just want to remind you again about those boxes. You can go ahead and pull those out and uh, uh, they'll enrich your worship as you worship at home with us. But as we look at the angels today, I want you to think about how you think about angels. Okay, what's the picture of angels that comes to your mind? Here are a few I came across this week. If you uh, Google in Google Images, angel, this is the number one picture that comes up. She looks nice, doesn't she? Very sweet. Uh, Or maybe you think, uh, finish this line if you can. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Yeah, we all know Clarence the angel from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Or maybe if you grew up in the same uh, era that I did, you thought about angels playing baseball. Um, God sending uh, you know, angels to, to help uh, answer a child's prayer uh, by helping the angels win the pennant. Um, or maybe you have a, a more, I don't even know what, maybe that's more your image of angels this morning, uh, little chubby babies, or someone sitting on a cloud with a harp. Or maybe you, you used to watch that show that was on TV where these strangers would show up in people's lives and do these nice things and then disappear. Anyone remember that show? Yeah, all right, okay. So you get where I'm going with this. Um, we have these images in our minds of, of angels and what they look like, what they do, but I don't know that those pictures necessarily line up with what Scripture says about angels. So think for a minute about some of the descriptions of angels you might find in Scripture. Uh, after God put, we're not going there yet, right? After God put the angels, uh, after God put Adam and Eve outside of the garden, he put angels there, it says, with flaming swords to keep them from going back into the Garden of Eden. In the book of Exodus, as God is delivering his people Israel out of bondage in Egypt, he sends the angel of death to kill the firstborns in Egypt. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah has a vision of the heavenly throne room, and the angels are there calling to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the voices of those angels cause the the thresholds and the doorposts of the temple to shake. God sent an angel to Daniel in the lion's den, and it shut the mouth of the lion's. He also sent an angel to Daniel at one point in response to one of his prayers. And the angel finally gets there and says, I'm sorry that I've been delayed. I was held up by the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And I had to go get Archangel Michael to come and help me fight with him. But finally, I'm here to give you God's message. And then in Revelation, Michael leads a battle against the dragon. So somehow these two concepts, you know, what our culture shows us about angels, what scripture says about angels, they don't quite seem to line up. Personally, I lean towards the biblical version being the right one. I don't know about you. Uh, You can make your own uh, determination. But I'm going to tell you, I think the angels in the Bible are are what we're looking for. Uh, When we were missionaries in Uganda, where we were preparing to go the very first time, Our oldest son, Tim, who just turned 12 a couple weeks ago, he was about three at the time, and uh, he started having these terrible, awful nightmares. 
waking up screaming in the middle of the night, inconsolable, nothing would help. We couldn't hardly get him calmed down. And we, we did everything we could. We tried. Um, nothing seemed to be helping. And then we were there in Uganda, and uh, our missionary pastors came and visited with us, and they were talking with us about it and giving us some counsel and wisdom and asking us how we were praying about it and you know, encouraged us to try some things. So we started praying in a different way uh, with Tim before he would go to bed each night, asking God to surround him with his angels and uh, to protect him and watch over him and our household. And then one morning, he came into the kitchen. He had slept through the night. Meg asked him, you know, you didn't wake up in the night. And he would always tell us that, you know, in in these dreams and these nightmares, that the little guys were trying to get him. And so she said, the little guys didn't, didn't come last night? He said, oh, no, they did. Okay, but you didn't. You didn't cry. You didn't scream like we didn't hear you. He said, oh, no, it was okay. Because when they came, the soldiers chased them away. He said, what? He said, the soldiers. There was one at each corner of my bed. And when the little guys tried to get me, they chased them away. And in our family, we continue to talk about the soldiers that God sends as uh, the angels, as, as soldiers, as warriors. And I'm convinced that this fits into those examples we've just heard from the biblical examples of a world at war, a war in which angels, along with humanity, play a significant role. Angels also play a pretty significant role in the Christmas story. It seems like every time we move from one character to the next, whether you're reading in Matthew or Luke, uh, there's an angel visiting those characters, and those angels bring messages. And that's actually what the literal meaning of the Greek word angelos, which gets translated into angels, it means. It means messenger. That's their primary role. And so the Christmas story angels The angels of the Christmas story have three messages that they bring. Listen to some of these encounters uh, from Luke chapter 1. Listen to Zechariah's encounter. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to return the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous." To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then you think about Mary. And the angel comes to her and he says, do not be afraid, Mary. In Matthew's account, it's Joseph who receives the angel. Uh, He he receives the angel in a dream. uh, Matthew 1, beginning in verse 20. But after Matthew, or after Joseph had considered this, he had just found out that Mary was pregnant. And he didn't know what to do about it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save their people from their sins. And then finally, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Do you notice any themes in those encounters? One of the things that jumped out to me was do not be afraid. Each time. I think it's a a pretty good hint that most of our cultural images may be a little off the mark. These encounters don't just startle people. They inspire some level of fear. But the angels say to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the message that the angels are there to give them isn't a message meant to inspire fear. It's a message intended to give them hope. Zechariah is told that his barren wife is going to give birth to a son. And he didn't believe it. But he was told that son was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even within the womb, and after him would come the Messiah, the one they had been waiting for. Mary, too, is told that she would bear a son, but this son would be called not the son of Mary, not even the son of Joseph, but the son of God. And this son would reign over the house of Jacob forever. Joseph is told that the baby that Mary's carrying was conceived by the Holy Spirit and would save his people from their sin. What kind of hope does that give a person? That God would come to save his people from their sins. And the shepherds are told that the Savior had been born, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one they had been waiting for. Each of these people, in kind of different language and different pictures, were told that the Messiah, the hope of Israel, the one they had been waiting for, the one they would call God with us, was finally coming. And while each of these characters, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, were given a message of hope, they were also told that there was some preparation that needed to take place. You know, babies aren't just conceived one day and born the next. You moms know that especially well. Um, So they were given this message of preparation to be prepared for what was to come, for the advent, the coming of the Messiah. And I think today the angels have something to tell us this advent as well. In the midst of all that's going on, I think the message of the angels is still to us, do not fear. Our God is still Emmanuel. The God who is with us. Our God is still working. He's still active in the midst of all that's happening in the world today. And our God is still 
going to win. The story isn't over yet. As much as we look back in Advent to that first Christmas and the incarnation of Jesus, and and, and we love to tell that story, and we should, and we should, because it's one of the central stories of our faith and who we are as the people of God. But as much as we like to look back to that first Christmas, we must remember to look forward as well, because Jesus is coming again. And that first Christmas, Jesus came humbly. He was born into a manger. But when Jesus comes again, he's coming in power and glory. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is our Advent hope. Not only that Jesus came, but that he's coming again. And when he comes again, he will set all things right and he will establish his kingdom forever. And that kind of good news calls us to prepare in this Advent season, to receive Jesus anew. As each of the characters we've looked at today responded to the message of the angels, we too must respond to their message. The question is, whose response do we need to imitate this year? When Zechariah met the angel, he learned to listen the hard way, couldn't talk for the nine months of the pregnancy. Mary learned to submit to God's will in her life. Joseph learned to trust even when he didn't understand. And the shepherds learned to worship the God who comes to save us. So brothers and sisters, how does God need to prepare your heart this Advent season? What is he saying to you so that you can get ready, so that he can do a work in you to prepare you to worship at the manger, to receive Jesus anew? This morning, will you give him permission to calm your fears? Will you give him permission to give you hope? Will you give him permission to prepare your heart to receive him anew? Would you pray with me? God, we want to open ourselves up to what you're doing in our midst. We've heard the message of the angels. Do not fear. Take heart, have hope. Prepare your hearts to receive Christ. And so, God, we're asking you this morning to come and do in us what we could never do on our own. Prepare our hearts to receive Christ anew. Give us a hope for a world that is hopeless. God, calm our fears in the midst of everything that continues to swirl around us in our world today. We choose this morning to listen. We choose this morning to submit to your will in our lives. We choose this morning to trust you even when we understand. And we choose to worship even in the midst of the hard things. And so, God, this morning we pray, come, O come, Emmanuel. In Jesus' name. Amen.